Hey, I'm Samantha Saki from The Self Club. This podcast is a conscious rebellion to shift our mindset, our way of relating, and our educational system from fear towards truth, trust, and love. This new paradigm starts with you. Hello, everyone. So great to be back here sharing some juicy personal stories. I love this as a means to be able to share, share these little details and stories and challenges of life that we don't often get to hear about in in a public arena or in the conversations we have with others. So today I wanted to speak about three things that radically changed my life and my health. And when I mean health, I mean my physical health and well-being, my mental health and well-being, my spiritual health and well-being, really how I feel overall. And sometimes it's really hard to know what the impact of certain things are because there's so many moving factors, especially in my life. It's hard to isolate or attribute the impact of something to one thing. But when I look back at the past three, four years, even five years, I can say that these three things had an enormous impact. And I know why, and I can see the impact that they've had. So yeah, I really wanted to share them with you. So number one, which might not surprise a lot of you who have done work with me or have done any sort of personal development work, is my daily practice, which is normally my morning routine. All right, obviously morning routines are not a secret. (laughs) There's so much work and evidence around morning routines and the impact they can have on your life. So I want to share mine. It's not only about the mornings for me, although the mornings are a really big part of it, but it's having this sacred daily practice. And this is me time. It's uninterrupted, phone on silent or airplane mode, nobody can contact me, connecting with my higher self, with my divine spirit, with the source of life, with the deepest parts of myself. It's it's that uh, just really deep and caring, self-nurturing for whatever it is that I want to do. And it's not always the same, my morning routine, but there are some elements that are constant. And normally what I do now is I wake up and right away I play music. Another game changer that a friend of mine told me about is um, using another phone for music and meditation apps. So I actually use an old phone where I have no messaging, no phone number, there's no SIM card in it, and I use it just for Insight Timer, which is one of my favorite meditation apps, and uh, and Spotify, basically. So that, that phone is usually on airplane mode and inside this little pouch that um, avoids sort of um, certain frequencies to get through. 
Uh, and yeah, I, I wake up in the morning and I often want to stay in bed just a little bit while I wake up, but it has changed my entire mental state to wake up and play music or play a meditation after I've taken like a few breaths. Yeah. And it often connects to my Wi-Fi. If I leave the Wi-Fi on, I often sometimes turn the Wi-Fi off before I go to bed. But I have a lot of my favorite Spotify playlists and um, my favorite meditations uh, like on Insight Timer downloaded onto that phone because that's the only thing that it's for. And so, yeah, I turn on that music and I just start like really waking up and connecting with life and taking some breaths in bed. And one of the playlists I tend to play the most during my morning is one I have on Spotify called Soft Connection. It has about 50 songs that have like a soft rhythm, but it's a bit like slightly upbeat, kind of wakes you up. So then eventually I get up and if I'm really lazy, I'll play the music in bed, but often I'll just turn on my speaker, connect it, and have the music playing. My phone has clearly been on airplane mode the entire night, and I do not turn it on first thing in the morning. That has been one of the most impactful things. So I don't wake up to scrolling for messages or looking at emails or the 25,000 WhatsApp messages that I get throughout the night, especially because like many of you, I have friends and family all over the globe in all different time zones. So there's always a good amount of messages, either from close friends, from mom or dad, from my brother. So yeah. Um, not doing that first thing in the morning. And I don't do it for about the first, mm, depends on the day, but at least 30 minutes to an hour of not taking my phone off airplane mode. So once the music is going, I get out of bed and then I go straight to boil some water and I put on my green tea. I, I vary sometimes with the tea, but I do love this Chinese green tea called Longjin. And I just fell in love with it when I went to China and I did this tea tour. So if I have that, which I tend to order, I do that. And it's just like this delicious ritual. And it connects me with this, the beauty of ritual and the simplicity and beauty of these small moments. And I put it, uh, it's loose leaf tea in my Japanese teapot with my Japanese mug. It's just these little things that just make me so happy. Sometimes I do use like loose leaf ginger or fresh ginger or something like a dandelion chai. Anyway, just giving you some of my, my little tea excitement options. Obviously, I do get excited about tea. And then I roll out my yoga mat the yoga mat that I've had for about six to seven years. It has been my it has been my sofa when I didn't have a sofa yet. It has been my living room table when I didn't have a living room table. And I actually brought this yoga mat over from Madrid when I moved to Melbourne, Australia. That's how committed I am. <laughs> and so I roll the mat out. And I start stretching and I start doing either my sun salutation morning yoga. And some days I just stretch out 
and some days I do a longer flow. But one of the things that I committed to, especially because I couldn't get like a consistent exercise routine, particularly when I was maybe working a lot or prioritizing other things, I said, okay, everyone has 30 minutes, everyone has 20 minutes. So I just said, if I do this 15 minute morning routine, at least that's enough. And it moves almost every muscle in my body. It gets me sort of like my, the energy in my body going. So I start to exude a bit of heat. And I stretch out a lot of my body. I think I, now I'm so used to it. I can't wake up in the morning and not stretch. It just gets like all of my blood flowing. It moves all the stagnation and energy stuck from, from the night. So on the best days, I do a nice, you know, 20, 30 minute routine. On the worst days, I do a 10 minute or five minute stretch. But that's it. I just pull out my yoga mat and, and, and commit to it. And let me tell you something. Almost every single day of my life, I still feel resistance to doing this. Like there's so many days where I'm like, ah, today I'm busy. Today I have so much to do. You know what? I'm just going to get to work. You know what? I'm just going to turn my phone on because I'm waiting for this email. Every day, some of my old patterns and resistance to this sacred time comes up. But now I just don't listen to that voice. I'm like, shut up and open the mat and stretch. That's it. And my body just follows. And then when I'm getting to the stretch, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I remember why I'm doing this. And it has become an automatic thing. So after the stretch, I normally meditate. And again, depending on the day, but I, no matter what, I sit still for at least five minutes. Even if my mind is all over the place or I have a million things to do, I know that the more I feel like that, the more I need that. So um, very often I do even sit there, I say, okay, it's going to be only 10 minutes. And especially lately when I've been going much deeper into meditation and connecting on higher levels, I can sometimes sit there for 40 good minutes. And sometimes I just let thoughts or downloads, just ideas and insights come in. And sometimes there's so much coming through, I have to journal. So I pull out my diary and I start just, you know, journaling some thoughts, um, bringing down ideas, making sense of certain things. Sometimes I get like a focus or an intention. But yeah, I do notice any resistance I have of just wanting to get up and I sit with whatever is. That's also my moment to... Just have a bit of a chat to my guides, to my higher self, to my ancestors, to God, to spirit, to the universe. And it's these moments when sometimes when I, I can't connect, I'm just like, hi, hi, life. <laughs> I'm here. How are you? And that little acknowledgement or honoring to the fact that I'm alive is such a beautiful moment for me. It grounds me, it anchors me, it yeah, it just connects me to, to the beauty of being alive, to the gratefulness of everything I have and everything I am. So that moment is really special. And very often I finish with pulling a card, depending on, I have a few different decks. One of my favorite decks is called the Inner Compass Cards. Absolutely love them. And I often pull one or two. 
and I just sit with it. I just sit with it and then I get up and start my day. So that's number one. That was my my daily practice and my morning routine. And for everyone out there, this moment is so sacred because we live in a world where attention is one of the biggest currencies, right? Social media is so addictive because your attention has literally become a commodity. So there's so many apps, you know, advertising companies, people just trying to get your attention and get you to do certain things for their agenda. And this moment is when you shut all of the external noise of the world out and you tune in. And guarding that tuning in time fiercely is so important for your well-being, for your alignment, and for just really having the life you want to have. Nobody is going to make that happen for you but yourself. And in these times is when you can really get the clarity of what's happening in your life. It grounds you to make better decisions, to to see things that you can't see when you're just so busy and doing all of the time. So yeah, that's number one. All right, let's get to number two, which is actually radically different. And number two, one of the things that has changed my life the most is eliminating gluten from my diet. Yep, gluten, like literally gluten. Now, for any of you who felt resistance, hear me out, all right? So I studied holistic nutrition, among other things, and I've been very health conscious since I'm about 20. And of course, I've always known that things like sugar, processed things, etc. are bad, but I love to eat. Like, I love to eat. And I eat a lot. And yes, I might be skinny, but oh my god, I eat. I think people don't believe how much I eat sometimes and how much I enjoy eating literally everything. So, after getting off birth control in my early 20s, I started to really align and eat according to a few key principles that I have and that I teach. And ever since getting off birth control and aligning to these nutritional principles, let's say, it's been almost impossible to gain weight. I've tried. And it's just almost impossible. It's just not, it's just not possible with, with these rules in place, let's say. And, um, and they're not rules I impose. They're just really things that felt intuitive and necessary. So basically, I used to have some like little health issues here and there. I think a lot of health issues that a lot of women face nowadays. I had some small cysts, blood cysts in my ovaries that I was told was endometriosis. Um, doctors kept telling me to either take birth control or have a baby. <laughs> I was like, uh, no thanks, I'm good for both of those, at least for the moment. And um yeah, and a few years down the road after trying so many detoxes, studying holistic nutrition, I started working with a holistic doctor 
Her name is um, Irina Matvejkova. She has a beautiful book, by the way, called Digestive Intelligence. And I got a few tests done with her. And um, I, I showed uh, I showed up with a pretty decent gluten intolerance through one of the blood tests. And then I also got this other blood test done with my acupuncturist. And it also showed um, this small thing. And he just basically suggested, I suggest you eliminate gluten at least 80% from your life. And uh, to be honest, like with my lifestyle, I was just traveling all of the time, you know, had a travel agency with my mom, was having dinners out everywhere. It was just so hard to, it felt so hard to stick to anything, especially on a like long-term basis and not just like a two-week detox, right? But my acupuncturist and this doctor, this holistic doctor that I loved, they both suggested this. And I never thought I actually could. It seemed so hard, but that little push was what I needed. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I eliminated gluten like 98% from my life. Like really, I did really well. And looking back now, I think that was the most significant change that something I've done in the in, in the nutritional world, let's say, has had on my digestion and on my overall health. When I look back, I haven't been sick in years, in years. And no matter what I ate, even when I was busy and I was maybe like eating out all of the time, like either sushi or just, just stuff where you were eating out way more than you know you should, I felt great. Sometimes I, and, and you know, when I was younger, I used to have these huge meals sometimes, like, you know, family dinners or when you go out with your grandparents or with a group of friends and you just order way too much food. And I used to feel like I was going to blow up sometimes. Like I just, just needed to sit down and go to sleep for an hour because I literally couldn't move. But ever since I cut gluten out, that just doesn't happen anymore. It's, it just makes digestion so much easier. I cut out. And also when you cut out gluten, you cut out half of the processed crap in the world. You cut out burgers and pizzas and horrible processed bleached bread, supermarket bread and cookies and cakes and donuts, almost every dessert as well. It's incredible. So you just cut out so much of the processed crap that we eat. And that already that just makes such a huge difference. Um, slowly, and I, and I did become flexible. I'm, I'm very flexible today. And I did allow certain things like wholesome or high quality gluten products like sourdough breads or rye or oatmeal, right? So I did, I was flexible with those things, but the really high processed gluten, yeah, that I'm, I cut out entirely. And I mean, I could talk a lot about gluten and why, but everyone, gluten is the indigestible part of these grains. Nobody can digest gluten. And to some extent in all of us, it erodes a little bit of the inner part of our intestine. Um, so cutting out gluten just has a big impact on digestion. And 80% of the immune system lives in the gut. So anyway, this is a whole other topic, but um, I noticed it in my digestion and in my hormonal balance just hugely. And now I cut out gluten for a few years, about, let's say, 80, 90 percent. 
And I got a few tests done a year ago when I went back to Madrid. Um, and yeah, my doctor said, hey, it's looking really good now. I suggest you do a sort of, you know, don't eat gluten five days of the week. You can eat for the weekend. And yeah, and that's what I do. I don't eat gluten about 75% of the time. Like gluten-based products or processed wheat mostly is an exception, right? Like I'll thoroughly enjoy my pano chocolat or croissant from the South Melbourne market on Sundays, right? With a coffee. I don't drink coffee, but those days I do. And yeah, when I do break some of my um, basic principles of eating, it's because I really enjoy the moment, the experience, right? And when I choose to eat something consciously and happily, the way that my body perceives it and takes it in is so different than if I eat from a place of should or guilt or um, obsession or limitation. So it's really about um, choosing what's good for you as the rule and then having these exceptions of things that maybe nurture your soul, not your body, and really, really enjoying them. So yeah, um... This is not the only aspect of nutrition that has changed me in that I generally I don't drink cow's milk and, you know, I, I generally eat high quality foods. I don't eat a lot of processed foods, but I can tell you that the gluten factor significantly changed my physical and mental well-being as well. So, yeah, that is number two. And number three, <sighs> number three is aligning my life and work to my life purpose. Now, I can talk about this in a lot of different ways. And in one of the next episodes, I'll share my full story of one of the biggest life changes I've ever made, which was selling everything and moving to Australia without having any idea of what I was going to do, but having a very, very clear vision. And for the purposes of this podcast, I just want to explain what aligning my life means and how that impacted me. And for me, not working or, or living my life according to what is expected of me according to these external definitions of success and really giving myself the full permission to do me, to listen to me, has been one of the biggest gifts that I've given to myself. Ever since I graduated college, I did a double degree, two years in Budapest, Hungary, and two years in Milan, Italy, I knew I didn't want to follow the path that most of the graduates of, of my university were following. I graduated in, when was it, 2009, 2009, no, 2011, sorry, from Bocconi University in Milan. And it's a very prestigious university in Italy, um, one of the best universities in economics. And Everyone just wanted to work at a bank or a consulting company. And when I thought about it, really, 
it felt like my worst nightmare. Nothing wrong with working in any of those places, it's just how I felt about it. It's not what I really, really wanted deep down. But it was hard to listen to myself and not follow the path that seemed to be the one, right? The one, the one, the path to success, the thing that you're supposed to do, the manual, as I call it. And I slowly started really understanding my passions, my strengths, my skills. I gave myself space to explore as much as I was a really hard-working perfectionist that was always putting more and more pressure on myself. I tried different things that were much more purposeful and meaningful. Um, some of them didn't really work. Some of them did. I studied more and explored different topics, right? And but but I realized that the things that moved me inside, they weren't a coincidence. The compliments that others gave me, the impact I had on people, that wasn't a coincidence. And I realized all of these things, you know, with my passions and strengths and skills and past experience and the life I've had and the languages I speak, I could, I realized I could use that in any way that I wanted to create the impact I wanted to have on this world before I died. And I didn't want to follow anyone else's path. I just didn't feel like it. That's not what I came here to do. Um, and when I understood that, and I understood that none of that was a coincidence, I really allowed myself to bring that into any space where I was, any job, right? And your purpose, you know, I teach this a lot in, in Unapologetic in the 12-week program, but your purpose is not a job. It's not a title. It's what you bring to everything you do, no matter what you're doing. So I started bringing that more and more and more, and that allowed me to really own it and honor it, right, more and more. And instead of seeing myself through these eyes of lack, of not enoughness, of, oh, I'm not there yet, what, what do I have to offer, it slowly became this owning of, oh, I'm like this, and that's beautiful, instead of, oh, I'm like this, and that's not enough. And for example, I've always been really deep and really philosophical and spiritual by nature. And I often, like, I was ashamed of those parts of myself. And often I dimmed it down because I felt that it was too much. And well, maybe it is too much for some people and everyone is too much for somebody. But um, I started owning and realizing that those were actually some of my biggest gifts. So yeah, allowing myself to constantly say no to both external definitions of success and quite frankly, money. I've had to say no to money and to jobs a lot for the sake of staying on my path and choosing what um, really brought me to life, what I really wanted to keep exploring and, and the impact I wanted to have. That's been something I've had to do continuously. And because of that, my health and my vitality are completely different, completely different. The way, the energy that I have to work 
how drained I am or not at the end of the day. It has radically changed since I work for what I believe in, since I am choosing. I have so much more energy. I don't have those, you know, crazy bits of anxiety and overwork. I still get them sometimes. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur and sometimes I have a lot on my plate and that anxiety might come up, but it's very different. I used to be in overwork completely before I moved to Australia. I used to live in in a very stressful state a lot of the time, as if the pressure of the world was bigger than what I could handle. And I realized it wasn't only about taking on too much, 100%, but it was about taking on the wrong things, right? It was like picking battles and fighting battles that really was not what I came here for. It's not what I came here to do. And the more you're in tune with yourself and the more you realize that, you realize that self-love and self-actualization really requires saying no to a lot of things, a lot of things, and then slowly realizing what it is you have to say more yes to and yes to and yes to. So that art of saying no to a lot of things that seem like the right thing to do and saying yes to what really brings you alive, to what really nurtures you, to what really feeds that, you know, ah, like joy and aliveness. And it's not only happiness, because a lot of these decisions I had to do to align really confronted me. They made me just really have to get over my biggest, biggest fears, over my imposter syndrome, doing things I I literally did not even know how they were going to happen. I, I Part of me didn't even believe some of the things I deep down wanted. And yeah, in the next episode or in one of the next episodes, I'll share, I'll share that story. I'll share the story of um, a little bit of my professional life and how, how I left everything in Madrid and moved to Australia to do just this, just this. So yeah, this was more focused on health and on well-being and on how I like physically feel almost. And I can tell you that those three things, my morning routine or my daily practice, eliminating gluten and aligning my life and work, at least 80 to 90% of my time of my life to my life purpose, those three things have been the thing with the biggest, biggest impact. And today, in my, yeah, with, at the age I'm at and where I live, I feel stronger and healthier than I have felt in my entire life. I do see health personally as a very spiritual thing as well. I do think that our body is always talking to us and it is often through disease and discomfort or either either uncomfortable emotions or disease, sickness, even accidents, right? Pain that are the biggest agents of change. We don't often change things unless there's pain, unfortunately. Yeah, us humans, we learn the hard way. <laughs> so yeah, these are the three things that have radically changed my life. 
And I hope this can be of inspiration or benefit to anyone listening. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day, evening, wherever you are. I'm sending much love. We can't possibly do this alone. So if you're ready to commit to your growth and inner work, make sure to check out our membership and programs to keep you connected, conscious, and aligned. See you there.